0: Revelation 18. Everybody there? Got it? All right. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for you. We're so grateful that you are our Savior, our loving rescuer. Thank you for being our shepherd, our good shepherd. Thank you for how you shepherd our lives. For how you cherish us, how you love us, how you nourish us, how you wash us with the water of the word. And this morning we are in need of being nourished and washed by you through your word. And so, Lord, would you do a fresh work here this morning? We are in desperate need of a fresh work of your spirit in our lives, our marriages, in our homes with our families, with your church. As things continue to get darker around us, we want to shine for you, Lord Jesus. You called us to be the light of the world, and so as we follow you, the light of the world, would you fill us this morning in a special way that we'd be built up on our most holy faith, that we would leave this place more in love with you, shining even brighter in this world. And so we thank you ahead of time for the great things that you are going to do for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, so we are in chapter 18. Let me just give us a quick uh, context so we understand where we are in this book. Remember, chapter 6, all the way through chapter 19 is a seven-year period that's known as the tribulation period. It is in the future. It is going to be a time on earth that is unprecedented. It is so gnarly, the things that are going to happen on planet earth. And we've studied it in depth. We're still studying that period as well. And I just want to remind us this morning, because we're called to remind, remind one another, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, that Jesus is coming for his bride. He's coming for, who's his bride? We are, the church, he's coming for us to take us out of here before God's wrath is poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. Why do you believe that, Mike? Because the Bible teaches that. The Bible says that we are not appointed unto wrath, but unto salvation. And so the Lord Jesus said, I am coming quickly. He's going to come suddenly. That means his return is imminent for us, and we need to be about his business. Correct? Amen to that? We need to be about his business, following our good shepherd wherever he leads. And so this time period we've looked at, um, it's, it's a time of judgment. Remember, it began with the seven seal judgments, The seventh seal gave way to the seven, we need to go back, seven what? No, we don't need to go back. Seven trumpet judgments, seventh trumpet gave forth to the seven bowl judgments. And so we are looking at this final judgment concerning Babylon. And Babylon is hard to really kind of elusive to define. Um, We know that Babylon is a city. Um, it is a city that began in, uh, in modern-day Iraq in Genesis chapter 10, Genesis chapter 11. It was where uh, all spiritual wickedness and weirdness began, um, and yet it didn't end there. Babylon, I believe, um, is synonymous with the world, this world system that exists that is anti-God, anti-Christ, um, against God's word, um, with its morals, principles, direction. We see it in our own lives, in the education system. We see it in politics. Um, we see the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Um, all, that's what all that is in the world, the, the Apostle John said. And we are not to love the world, this worldly system, or the things in the world. Um, because if we do, the Apostle John also said that the love of the Father is not in us. And so we need to be careful. And we were warned last week about Babylon. We know that Babylon will be judged, not only the city, but this, this worldly system that, uh, that reflects itself spiritually, economically, in a lot of different ways. In fact, God calls his people to come out of Babylon, have nothing to do with Babylon whatsoever. Why? Because God said back in uh, 18, verse 4. Um, God said, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. We don't want to be connected with her sins, nor do we want to receive her judgment, do we? So we want to avoid Babylon. And we're going to see another uh, facet of Babylon this morning, economic or commercial Babylon. And the danger, listen, the danger of materialism and greed um, and living for the things that are temporary, temporal things in this world rather than living for the eternal. And so she's getting judged because she ultimately seduces people from Jesus. And that is a very dangerous thing, seducing people from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, let's check it out. We where did we end last week? Verse 8. Were you guys here last week? Verse 8, is that we okay. Let's read verse 8. Therefore, her, Babylon is personified as a woman, as a harlot, again, because she seduces people away from Jesus. Um, Therefore, her plagues will come, check this out, in one day, boom, just like that, death and mourning and famine, so loss of life, grieving, no food. And she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her, and so she will be completely consumed with fire. If you're taking notes, I mentioned this last week, Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 14, Jeremiah 50 and 51 speaks of the complete and utter wipeout of Babylon. And so that has not happened yet. In fact, the the prophets tell us it will be just like Sodom and Gomorrah, wiped out. Completely. And so, in one hour or one day, it's going to happen. Why? We're told right there because God's not weak. Strong is the Lord God who judges her. And this judgment that happens upon Babylon will reflect the Lord's strength. The total collapse of the world economy at that time will happen in one day. We're going to see in just a moment in one hour. Look at verse 9. We see the response when judgment happens from leaders, from businessmen, businesswomen. Verse 9, "...the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon that mighty city. For in one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. Why? For no one buys their merchandise anymore. Well, what merchandise? Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple. Silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and I think this is the most disturbing part of it all, and bodies and souls of men. Wow, that's heavy. Let's, let's go back to verse 9 just for a minute, and we see the response of, uh, when it says kings, it, it refers to world leaders, world rulers that will be on the scene during the tribulation that were committing fornication with Babylon. And again, fornication, we know, biblically is uh, sexual intimacy outside of the marriage bed as prescribed by God. God forbids that, correct? You guys with me? You guys with me this morning? Okay. It is also used for spiritual fornication, for turning away from God biblically and being involved with idolatry. God views that as spiritual fornication rather than being connected with him. We're connected with idols or created things and begin to worship and serve um, the, the creation. And so notice the response of these kings, these leaders that were connected with Babylon. They benefited, notice, materialistically from her. They lived luxuriously with her. But when they see the results of judgment, what's going to be their response? They are weeping, they're crying, they're bawling. Um, When they see the fiery judgment, and then they'll be standing way far away. Verse 10, look what it says. They're scared for fear. They have no power to stop this. And in such a short time, this mighty city of Babylon and all that she offers comes to an end. Boom. That's it. And then notice the response of the businessmen and businesswomen in verse 11. So we got the rulers, leaders, and now the businessmen and women in verse 11. The merchants, they will also be mourning, weeping, super sad for Babylon. Why? Look what it says. Because their goods will no longer be bought. The ultimate loss, a business loss. Their God is now gone. How they, were, how they were ripping off people and, and taking from people is now what they, is what they valued instead of God. What they lived for and longed for instead of the Lord were these things, these goods, this merchandise. They're sad because no one's buying it anymore. And then notice in verse 12 through 13, um, I think I counted right, there's 28... Um, pieces here, or items rather, from all around the world that are listed. Notice in verse 12, fine jewelry, precious metals and stones, beautiful clothing, all kinds of this special wood, um, all the special products of ivory, all sorts of different products, wood, bronze, so forth for building and art. Verse 13, what else? Beautiful fragrances, oils, wine and oil, that would be precious, commodities, fine flour and wheat, so an abundance of the, of the finest cooking products, cattle, sheep, there's plenty of fresh meat. Horses and chariots would be transportation and vehicles. And again, I think, the, the, look at the end of verse 13. Again, the most disturbing aspect of this list, the bodies and souls of men. They were making merchandise of human beings. That's what's going to be going on. And by the way, that's not just going to happen in the future. That's happening right now. Human trafficking, organ transplant trafficking, prostitution. By the way, Houston is one of the number one cities in the nation for human trafficking right here in our neighborhood. Can I encourage you to pray? I've been asking the Lord, how would you have us to reach... These people, not only the creeps, the dirt bags that are doing the stuff, but also the precious people that have been enslaved within this Babylonian-ish system, if you will. And so people are treated as if they're nothing. Machines, people are used and abused. There's no concern for human life, especially, notice it says the souls of men, especially their eternities. And money... Covetousness, materialism, what happens? They are elevated to such a place where human beings are considered nothing, that they are expendable. And listen, when when business drives every uh, part of your life where material stuff is what you live for, people become something you market. How can I use this person to get ahead? How can I use this person to get what I want? And the sad thing, the tragic thing, I think the spooky and frightening thing is when that makes its way into the church, which it does. And it invites judgment. Judgment begins at the house of God, gang. And so um, those who use and abuse people for their advancement and financial gain, um, you are ripe for judgment. (laughs) Why? Because people matter to God. Not just their bodies, but their souls. And when material things are your life, when this stuff that we read about, when this stuff becomes controls your life, that's what you value as number one. When this is what your life is all about, you know what happens? You fail to value God and you devalue people. And Jesus said we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor. How? As ourselves, Just like we love ourselves, we are to love our neighbors. And so that command from Jesus is not only given for us to govern our lives, but it's also, listen, our business practices as well. This is not just for, for, for governing our daily life, but how we conduct ourselves in the business world as well. We're not to be using and abusing people, gang. We're to follow the example, example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, what, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so we'll talk about this a little bit more in a while. But look at verse 14. The fruit, this is such an interesting verse that's in here. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid... Have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. So it, I find it interesting what's wedged in this verse right here between the responses of the rulers and the businessmen and women and what they were making merchandise. All of a sudden, we get this word what you greatly desired, what you lusted after is what? It's going to depart from you. What else? All those material blessings, all those rich and splendid things are gone. They will depart from you. And then you shall find them no more at all. That's the trap. Listen, that is the trap of living for the things of this this earth. Living for material stuff rather than living for the eternal. And listen, one day it'll be gone. Right? Naked we came in. Naked we... Correct? Correct? Parents, remember when Bambino came? Brought nothing in, correct? We don't bring nothing out. And listen, this is not a condemnation of having things or working hard to provide for yourself and your family. Proverbs, the Bible values hard work. Condemns laziness. And so we are to work hard. We are to work hard to provide for ourselves but listen here's the thing we are not to live for those things why because those things are going to burn isn't that the book says second peter is it all going to burn i'm reminded every time i break something new does anybody get bummed when you like i got a. I finally got a new surfboard tanya got me a new surfboard and the first day i had it in one hour first day i ding the thing and i was reminded you know what it's all going to burn. It's going to be okay. little duct tape on there. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's all good. But doesn't that happen? You ding your new car. Something happens to your, you know, your new shirt. You get a little tear or whatever. Oh, no. It's, it's, life is over as we know it. <laughs> it's like it's going to burn. Can I, can I encourage us to invest in that which is eternal? Well, what? Okay, so... Then what the, question, the, the, the question begs another question is, what is eternal? The Lord is eternal, is he not? We are to invest in our relationship with him, not just a ritual or religion, our relationship. He's eternal. The word of God is eternal. Didn't Jesus say something about that? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away we invest in the Word of God, right? We spend time, right, not only getting into the Word of God, but allowing the Word of God to get into us so that we, know, that we know not only the Word of God, but the God of the Word as well. That we have something to give. So we have something to give people. Because why? Because people are eternal. Correct? Not only are brothers and sisters in the Lord... But also those people that don't know Jesus, that are dead in their sins and trespasses, heading to hell that God loves and died to rescue as well. He wants to use us to share with them. They're eternal. Are we investing in that which will last? That's the question this morning. We can't take anything with us, but we can take souls with us. And I believe someday there's going to be people that we've invested in and shared with ministries and missionaries we've supported. People are going to come and say, wow, thank you so much. And we're going to say, who in the world are you? (laughs) Well, you supported our chaplains in Sudan or our missionaries in India. And they reached our village. We never heard of Jesus until they came and shared with us. And we're going to be rejoicing around the throne (laughs) because the Lord Jesus rescued and saved us and allowed us to serve Him the privilege of serving him in small ways and in big ways. And so let me encourage you, invest in that which is eternal. Verse 15, the merchants of these things. So the people selling this stuff, buying this stuff, the merchants, businessmen and women who became rich by her, notice that they were enriched by Babylon, will stand at a distance, ways away. Why? For fear of her torment. They're tripping out too, they're scared Weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. Man, it's all gone. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. So Babylon, this picture of beauty, this picture of wealth, guess what? It comes to nothing. Comes to nothing. And so, just like that, gone in one hour, every, look at verse 17, right in the middle there, every shipmaster, so all those involved in shipping, uh, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, what were they doing? They stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate and so again all those involved in shipping sea trade businessmen merchants they've distanced themselves right because of fear they're crying weeping throwing dust on their what does that mean throwing dust on your heads mourning that's right they're mourning they're they're tossing dust on it's an outward sign of grief and why well it tells us their source of revenue is now cut off their god is gone And they're astonished that her wipeout happened so quickly. So this great city that will arise or or have been arisen during the tribulation period, this center for this one world economic system will come to a screeching halt. And just like that, it's curtains. It's over. In one, do you guys notice one hour mentioned a few times? One hour, one hour. It says it in verse 10, for in one hour your judgment has come. Verse 17, right at the beginning, for in one hour such great riches came to nothing. And then in verse 19, for in one hour she is made desolate. Just like that, things changed for her. And, and can I just, I just want to th- like throw a little balance into this for us this morning. Do you know that God can turn it around in one hour for us? Just like that. Someone came up to me after second service because I said this might be a word for someone this morning. I don't know. But she was sharing with me in one hour everything changed in her life with her job. Listen, the Lord can do the miraculous the supernatural, the awesome, the magnificent—in one hour, turning your situation, your life around, just like that. Just like that, boom! Oh, tonight we're going to learn about it in the life of Hannah. Remember Hannah? You guys, remember Hannah? Prayed for a son. Cried out for a son. I mean, look at look at throughout the Bible, those people that in one hour things changed just like that for them. And and maybe that's an encouragement. For someone here, hang in there. In one hour, God can turn it around just like that. Your difficulty, your issue, your struggle, maybe, listen, maybe it's an addiction. And you cry out to the Lord this morning and and the Lord, he's into freedom. Jesus is into freedom, isn't he? The sun sets you free. And listen, all of us struggle with issues and maybe today's the day. In that one hour, boom, he wants to touch you. Look at heaven's call to rejoice, verse 20, and then we'll rejoice. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets. Why? For God has avenged you on her. And so a call for rejoicing, it's okay to rejoice when Babylon gets judged, when Babylon gets wiped out, especially if you've been persecuted or martyred uh, by her. And, and please notice that we're. God has, that phrase, God has avenged. The Bible says, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. We are to leave vengeance with who? With God. Why? That, that is the safest thing to do, by the way. Because what do we do when we take vengeance? You poke me, I now punch you, and maybe headbutt you too right? We just overdo it. And plus we don't know all the details. God knows all the details and he is righteous in everything he does. Even in his vengeance, it will be righteous. Our our anger is typically unrighteous, isn't it? The selfishness gets tweaked. The me gets tweaked. No? You guys ever get cut off on the highway? What do you guys say? Way to go. That was awesome. Praise the Lord. You're such a good, wow. You NASCAR driver? some of us the lord's dealing with this on we turn into the nascar driver and then the grinch with our faces that we make at them or whatever and you're laughing cuz you know what i'm talking about vengeance is mine listen don't return evil for evil return good for evil the great listen the greatest example of that was jesus on the cross who returned good for evil and God says, listen, vengeance is mine. I Listen, God said it. I didn't say it. He said, I will repay, says the Lord. He'll deal with it in his timing, in his perfect righteousness, because he has all the facts, all the details. Leave vengeance to him. Amen? Verse 21, then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea. That had to be amazing to see saying, thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. And so there's this visual picture of what's going to happen to Babylon. This mighty angel tosses a millstone, and I think it's fitting, by the way, because Jesus said if you cause any little ones that believe in him to stumble, it would be better if you had a millstone wrapped around your neck and you're thrown into the sea. And so we got a visual. What happens to that millstone? It hits the sea, goes under the water, never to be seen ever again. Goodbye. Sayonara. Adios. Dos Vidana. Gone. Gone from sight. Verse 22. Look what it says. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpets shall not be heard in you anymore. So no more sweet sounds from these musical instruments in Babylon. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. So no more artisans making stuff, no more creativity happening in Babylon. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. Lights turned out in Babylon. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. So no more joyous celebration sounds. And then notice this verse or the next part of verse 23. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. What a what a tragic statement. They're great men were these people ripping off and abusing people. They're greats, they're influencers. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. That is such an enlightening verse. Did you guys catch that at the end of that verse? For by your sorceries, when you hear sorcery, don't think like a guy with a a, a wizard's cap and a magic wand. Although it does does entail that, The, the occult, witchcraft, All of that. The word in Greek for sorceries is pharmakia. In which we get, what word do we get from pharmakia? Pharmacy, thank you. And it speaks about drugs. It speaks about spell-giving potions. It speaks of the buying and selling, the use and selling of illicit drugs. And people ask me all the time, well, come on, man, it's from the earth. Just got legalized. The shrooms just got legalized. What about poison ivy? You don't roll around in poison ivy, man. (laughs) It's from the earth. (laughs) Because it opens, why is it connected with the occult? Because you open yourself up to darkness. I mean, those of you who come from that background, you know. Start with a little, and what, what begins to happen? Now you're hooked. You get high, you got to come down. And then you got to come back up again. And then you come down. And you try to fill the emptiness. And you become enslaved to the stuff. How sad. And I get questions too about this. Well, what about like prescription drugs, Mike? Well, I'm not here to tell you whether to take them or not take them. That's between you and the Lord. I would just encourage you to pray. How about that? Does Jesus want me to do this? I mean, we we've had to deal with a special needs child for a year, twenty two years, and it's like, man, we need to pray because why? Because God wants to give us wisdom on that in that area. But I think there's something more than just pharmacia drug. I, no doubt, drugs were involved in all of this. No doubt, but I would say something else too. Because she's pushing another drug, isn't she? And you know what it is? It's the drug of materialism. You read through that list of what it's all about. Two verses given over. Materialism is the accumulation or amassing or hoarding of stuff. When created things are the master passion of your life. And it's interesting because it says deceived or seduced. It means to lead astray, to cause to stray, to lead astray from the right path. And so she's pushing this drug of materialism. And what does our flesh say? Oh, I want more. i got to have new. i got to have this. Correct? Isn't that what happens? The new iPhone's out. i got to have it. The new this, the new that, the greater this, the greater that. And what happens? It's like a, there's a vacuum in us that wants to keep filling that, that vacuum that can only be satisfied by the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we talked about this last week, Solomon. Remember Solomon? He tried to fill that vacuum, that emptiness in his heart, in his life, with everything under the the sun. And he had all the finances, all the power. He had all the resources at his fingertips to be able to try and satisfy the emptiness of his soul, to find satisfaction in the things under the sun and created things. And what was the conclusion he came to? it's all what? Vanity. It's all emptiness. Why is that story even given? So that we wouldn't have to go down that trail that Solomon went down. We need to learn from the mistakes of others, don't we? Not just our own, but others. Especially in the scriptures given to us for our admonition that we learn. Are you guys with me still this morning? I was just reading in Jeremiah this morning, my quiet time, Jeremiah 2, verse 5, it says, they followed vanity and became vain. Speaking of God's people, God's people, they followed vanity, they followed those things that cannot satisfy and became vain, empty in the process. And Jesus spoke about one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Remember that story Jesus told? No? It's okay. I'm going to read it. Was it. Which story? That parable? Remember these two dudes? These two brothers come to Jesus. They're like fighting over the inheritance. You guys remember that? Maybe it sounds like your family fighting over the inheritance. Aunt Jane left the bowling ball light lampstand to me, not you. Or whatever. Anybody... Relate to that, and it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys. You're fighting over the inheritance when it's all going to what? Burn. Thank you. Then one from the crowd said to Jesus, said to him, "Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me." That's how I picture this. <laughs> tell him, tell him to give me the stuff. But he said to him, "Man, there, that's where we find man." Who made, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Power of a question. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. So this dude had a... bumper crop I mean he's just thriving abounding and he thought within himself saying listen to the pronouns what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops so he said I will do this I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods you guys know some problems there and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he, the fool who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus put it this way. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. That word lay up means accumulate, amass, or heap up. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves where, treasures where in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, this chapter, listen please, this chapter is not a condemnation of having things or being prosperous or making a living or even being blessed materially. The problem is when we begin to live for those things, when our possessions begin to possess us. In other words, when that is what we worship, we are in great danger. The Apostle Paul told um, young Pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He told Timothy, check this out, he told Timothy, the pastor at Ephesus, not just to tell the congregation, check this out, he said, command the congregation. Listen to this, check it out. It's in the book, 1 Timothy six seventeen. command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, what does haughty mean? Is that like someone that's really good-looking, not haughty, that we're talking about? Making sure you're still with me this morning. What's haughty? Proud, arrogant. Can't that happen? We got a fat bank account, like we're thinking we're something, looking down our noses. Don't be asking me for money. Get a job, man. Don't be haughty, he says. Nor trust in uncertain riches. Did you catch that? Don't be trusting in what kind of riches? Uncertain. They could be here, one day here, one day gone. It says in Proverbs that, that wealth springs wings and flies away. is not that happen? Money flies. It says goodbye. Don't trust In uncertain riches, but, what does it say? But, is it up on the scoreboard? Yeah, it is, cool. But in God, in the living God, that's who we're to trust in, who gives us richly, check this out, don't miss this, all things to enjoy. Isn't that great? I hope that frees up some people this morning. Well, God has blessed me. He's given me me a surfboard. Should I hawk it? (laughs) No, he's given you that richly to what? To enjoy. It's a blessing from the Lord. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this dinged up surfboard. Hallelujah. With the duct tape on it. And now how can I use this to further his kingdom? Now I take those blessings and now I say, okay, Lord, How can I use those blessings? That's having an eternal perspective, isn't it? Because the next verse says there from Paul to Timothy, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. That's awesome. You got a boat? I got a canoe. Okay, you got a canoe? Don't be all bummed out. Enjoy that thing. Maybe, maybe the Lord would lead you to take one of the kids here, or some of the kids that don't have dads, fishing. Next outing, next, what's the young men, the young adult? Legacy. I wanna offer my boat, I wanna, you know what? I know how to do needlepoint. There's probably, there may be some young ladies, I got this killer needlepoint, they still do needlepoint? I don't even know. <laughs> A sewing machine, yes! Don't be all bummed that you got this killer, singer sewing machine. Use it to the glory of God. Enjoy it. Maybe, though, God may want to use that to further his kingdom. Maybe there's some a young single mom here that needs to make some threads for her kid. Clothes for her kid. Threads. I'm like dating myself. He gives us these richly to enjoy, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. Why? That they may lay hold on eternal life. we got one more verse. Can we finish? Are we going to finish early? No, not yet. Verse 24, back in Revelation 18. And in her, who's her? Babylon, was found the blood of prophets and saints, and check this out. It broadens all who were slain on the earth. Did you guys catch that? Babylon murders both believers and unbelievers alike. You know what that means? All she wants to do is take life. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. You see, Babylon, with all of her philosophies, morals, direction, all that she's pushing, remember, she's she's offering drugs, she's offering drink, she wants to intoxicate and seduce, all that she's offering, it looks good up front, but in the end, you're done. <laughs> looks great up front. Isn't that what it says about sin, too? Sin is pleasurable for a season. For a season, Yeah! But then what? The way of the transgressor is hard, the Bible says. On the flip side, you get burned, you get bit. And so, it's time to meddle this morning. You guys ready? Can I ask you a question? I'm going to start meddling this morning because I was God just meddled with me all week long, my heart. Can me ask you a question? What is your life really about? What is the point of your life? What are you working for? What is truly valuable to you this morning? What place does God have in your life? Are there any things in your life that are more important to you than God? Is there anything more important to you than work? Is God really number one? Is there something more important to you than God this morning? If, if listen, if the Lord's number one, it will be reflected. In the way you spend your time, your talents, and your treasures. And you're serving, and you're giving, and you're sharing. Again, that's between you and Jesus. The Lord has worked on my heart all week long. Is my work an idol? Is my work my life, my identity? Is what I do to provide the reason I exist? I've seen some squirming. Listen, for me, ministry can become an idol. I have to be careful. Because what can happen is I can put my my bride and my kids on the altar of ministry. Rather than my service flowing out of my love relationship with Jesus Christ and him being number one in supreme and being open to his leading to being led by the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. And maybe you've been listening going, you know what? I'm jacked up. That's okay. It's a good thing. Because why? Because the Lord wants to work in your life today in a special way. He's calling you, he's calling me to repentance to have a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction. And to admit it, say, Lord, I, you know what? My Man, I, my priorities have been messed up. All messed up, Lord. Forgive me. Where I've been investing. I've been storing up my treasures here. Work has become my God. I've been living for the paycheck and what does the Lord say? He always says, come right back to me. It's so simple. That's where revival always happens. It's always coming right back to Jesus. And, and saying, Lord, you set my priorities. Lord, you sort it all out. Help me. I've made this a mess. And then what happens? You start to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and boom, he starts taking care of you. It's not working a 150-hour week. It's saying, I'm gonna, I am going to take the time that God has given me and invest in what is eternal. And what does he do? Jesus says we take care of people like that around here. He spoke about that. He spoke about the pagans live for what you're going to put in and put on. He said, not so with you. You seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I'll take care of you. We're a, we are his blood-bought children. Parents, you take care of your kids? No, your five, six, eight-year-old, get them to work, lemonade stand, get out there. You take care of them. They're not, they're not stressed out. Is dad going to pay the AC bill this week? The, heating, the heat, it's going up. Is dad going to, they're distrusting, aren't they? just That's what our Lord wants us to trust Him. Say, Lord, I trust you. And I look at this, and and you know what? There are things in our lives that will destroy us if we don't give them over to the Lord. Sin ruins lives. God sent His Son to rescue us from sin. Not just the penalty of sin, which is hell and death, and rescued us unto heaven and unto himself, unto a relationship. But he has rescued us from the power of sin as well. It's been broken. He who commits sin, Jesus said, is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. The the power of sin has been broken in our lives. And now it's yielding to him, saying, Lord, I need your help. This is a struggle in my life, materialism, greed, a want, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. This is an issue for me, Lord, would you help me this morning? He's going to help you. He desires truth in our inward parts, nothing phony. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. You will not despise, O oh Lord. The problem is what? God resists the proud. He resists the proud. You wonder why something's not working in your life? It might be pride. God's like, shh, let, let me put the brakes on here. Pride, the, the, you know what the pinnacle of pride is? It's saying, I know better than God. I know the word says that. I know that goofball Mike is right. (laughs) But I'm going to keep, I'm going to put the pedal to the metal, man. I'm going to keep working my 180-hour week. Keep going, bro, sis. And keep striving. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to turn this thing around today. In one day, one moment, just like that, boom, I give it to the Lord. And watch what he'll do. You give it to him. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. You're so good. You made it so simple. Just come back to you. God, I pray for my precious brothers and sisters, um, Lord, where, where their priorities are, are jacked up. Lord, I pray as they come to you this morning that things would get rearranged, there would be repentance, and um, that they would experience... Your sufficient grace in a glorious way. Lord, forgive us. So often things can become, um, we can become consumed. And we take our eyes off of you, Lord Jesus. I pray this morning that we would be those that lay aside every weight and the sin that would so easily beset us and that we would look unto you, Lord Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That we keep running with endurance the race set before us. Trusting you. You said faith comes by hearing, hearing by your word. God, I pray that our our faith would grow, we'd be strengthened. You said that you're a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. And Lord, we've come to seek you this morning, not your hand. So often we seek your hand, we've come to seek your face. To let you know that we love you, we want you to be number one. Forgive us. God, may your word wash over us this morning that we would set our mind on things above and to be looking for your imminent return. And this morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you've been listening this morning. Listen, maybe you're a believer here this morning and God has spoken to your heart. Can I just encourage you right now to do business with the Lord? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Can I just encourage you right now just to, whatever it is, the Lord may have spoke to your heart on, he showed you, pointed out, don't leave this place without dealing with it right now. Give the Lord a chance. Give it to Him. Maybe you need to come back to Him. Surrender. And brokenness. The Bible says if we humble ourselves under His mighty hand, He will lift us up in due time. Let Him lift you up. we're still in an attitude of prayer, maybe you've been listening and you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally. You've been listening and you realize that you've never even had a real relationship with him and he loves you, he demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross for your sins and my sins. He suffered and died and was buried and rose again on the third day. And he's reaching out to you right now to forgive you to give you a fresh start, to give you the hope of eternal life. And you come just as you are to receive him, to believe on his name. And if that's you, I would love to pray with you right now, right here. Don't put it off. Today is the day of salvation. Let me pray with you. Would you raise up your hand if that's you this morning? We'll pray together. I'll lead you. Simple prayer. As you give your heart to Jesus, anyone at all this morning. Anyone at all. Father, thank you so much for this amazing family, Lord, your family. Behold what manner of love that we might be called the children of God, and that is what we are. We're so grateful to be under your care, to be loved by you. Thank you that underneath are your everlasting arms, that our lives are in your hands, our times are in your hands. Would you lead us and guide us, fill us and use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon
1: you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and dance together for one more song.
2: What He started He holds the world Within His hands My God delivers on His promise Nothing's greater than Him My God will break down Every strong wall Jericho walls don't stand a chance My God can conquer any giant. Nothing's greater than Him. Nothing's greater than Him. The victory is yours, though the battle ain't over. And the glory is yours, amen. With hands lifted high. I'll be singing through the fire. My God, He's not finished yet. My God is with me every moment. No powers of hell can hold Him down. My God turns death to resurrection. Nothing's greater than Him. Greater than him. The victory is yours, though the battle ain't over, and the glory is yours, amen. With hands lifted high, I'll be singing through the fire. My God, He's not finished yet. The victory is yours, though the battle. Ain't the glory is yours, amen With hands lifted high I'll be singing through the fire My God, he's not finished yet Oh, I believe a miracle can happen Cause my God says it already has so I will praise, even in the waiting, my God, he's not finished yet. Oh, I believe a miracle can happen, cause my God says, it already has. So I will praise, even in the waiting, my God, he's not finished is yours though the battle ain't over and the glory is yours amen
1: you for your word this morning that we have heard Lord, i pray that you would help us to apply it lord that you would be number one in our hearts and our lives lord that we would offer ourselves as living sacrifices holy and acceptable before you which is our reasonable service lord that each day we would take up our cross deny ourselves and follow you jesus i pray that you would help us to do that lord that we would look to your strength and your grace and your spirit god I pray now, Lord, for a time of fellowship that you would bless it, Lord, and that you would knit us closer together, Lord. Lord, truly we desire to be an answer to your prayer, to be one as you and the Father are one, Lord. So may you do that special work within us and within our hearts. It's only that you, only you can do, and that you be honored and glorified by our love for one another and our love for you. So have your way amongst us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you guys.
2: Again, come awake, come awake.